0: Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority.
1: Hour number two underway now, 10 minutes past 10 o'clock. going the Reagan Open to start this hour because we got into the break a little bit late there as we went with con- a little bit along with Congressman Jim Jordan. What a great message by Charlie Kirk there. Don't do crack, kids. It makes you do really, really foolish things. And uh, Hunter Biden has done a lot and i mean a lot of crack. <laughs> and i say this with no with no joy. Just i say it to push back on Democratic nominee Joe Biden who declared over the weekend there's nothing to the Hunter Biden laptop story, adding and i quote, "My son is an honorable man." Joe Biden's son is an honorable man, he says. What a great dad Joe must have been. His son, Hunter, is a cokehead. I mean, legitimately, he's a cocaine addicted, sister-in-law stealing. He was sleeping with his sister-in-law almost immediately after his brother died. He was booted from the Navy for failing uh, drug tests due to cocaine use. In his life since then, he has made it his mission to steal millions of dollars from foreign companies by gaining access to them, through selling access to the American White House, to the Oval Office, by way of his father, the Vice President of the United States. This is a man who took a job as a board member for a, for a Ukrainian energy company, despite a never having been to Ukraine, B, not speaking Ukrainian or Russian, C, not having any experience whatsoever in the energy industry. But he took an $83,000, not per year, per month position, and it was a no-show position. He never had to be there because he didn't do anything. What could he offer to the equation? He couldn't understand the language, couldn't understand what they were saying in a board meeting. had no idea about... Natural gas or oil or anything else? But Joe Biden wants you to believe his son is an honorable man. And, of course, Joe Biden has to sell that story. Because in order for him to be seen as an honorable man, his son has to be painted in the same light. Since his son, as we found out through Tony Bobolinsky and countless amounts of information and photographs, and documents, and text messages, and emails found on his laptop that he left sitting in a Delaware repair shop for over 90 days, making it property of the uh, repair shop, who then turned it over to federal officials with all of that information on it. Joe Biden should be in the House by this time next year. Not the White House, the big house. So he has to defend his crackhead son's honor because he is defending his own family crime syndicate at the same time. All right. Uh, thanks for being with us once again. It is uh, the the final day, the final opportunity, really, to make the closing arguments before the polls open tomorrow morning in earnest. Even though 94 million Americans have already voted, um, the real results are going to come out tomorrow, or at least rather uh, the real massive amounts of votes are going to be cast tomorrow. And I think as I talked to Jim Jordan about this, the ma- va- massive majority of them are going to be from Republicans because Democrats are afraid of standing in line. And Democrats believe that mailing their votes in is a better way to do it. So tomorrow is going to be the opportunity. You've got to go, and I don't care how long the lines are, and I don't care what your friends say. Take a friend or two with you. Take a Trump voting friend with you, and let's make sure that we get this thing done tomorrow. want to make this hour all yours at 216 and 888 Oh, I take that back. We are going to talk to Jim A.C. after the bottom of the hour news, but I do want to take as many of your phone calls as possible, so let's do that now. And the first guy up is Pastor Chris Long, who is the president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Pastor Chris Long, it has been far too long since we have talked. How are you, good, sir?
2: Thanks, Bob. It's good to be with you. Yeah, I wanted to call in and give an election update. You know, uh, value voters, are, of course, are going to play a big role in this. The president has had a very good relationship with evangelicals and people of faith throughout his four years. He promised that that would be his <laughs> platform, and indeed he has fulfilled those commitments, by defunding Planned Parenthood, by strengthening religious liberty issues here and abroad. I mean, the president um, supporting our our ally in the Middle East, Israel, by moving the embassy to Jerusalem. I mean, so many good things that the president has done. Certainly sometimes people of faith are put off a little bit by the, the, the demeanor at times of the president. But look, folks, let's look beyond that. Let's look at what the man has done. Look at his actions. And uh, those are standing out, and people are making their decisions, Bob. So what I want to do is give a little bit of an update here. I had Rick Santorum, a former uh, U.S. senator from Pennsylvania, on my radio program this week, and he talked about Pennsylvania. Of course, no one knows Pennsylvania better than Rick Santorum. And I said, Rick, how's it looking? He said, well, uh, Pennsylvania normally runs between five and eight points in Republican votes behind Ohio. And he said, so if Ohio's up by five, he said, we're very close in Pennsylvania. Well, uh, our team was on the ground in Western PA because we not only have the Ohio Christian Alliance, but the Christian Alliance of America, a national organization uh, that we launched a few years ago. And so we've started to distribute voter guides in other states. Pennsylvania was one of those, in Western PA and Greater PA, Erie, uh, Sharon, Hermitage, uh, Allen, uh Allentown, a number of places in PA where we were dropping voter guides in churches, and we were on the ground in Western PA on Saturday. I'll tell you something. <laughs> the, the folks over there are very supportive of the president. Certainly, the last debate was a tell-all on the fracking industry, the oil and gas industry, which has been a boom for not only uh, Western PA but Eastern Ohio. And the Biden administration, basically, in his uh, comments during the debate, Uh, basically blew it open because the left wing of his party wants to do away with fracking. And so that has had a major shift in Western PA. And so it's going to be a big teller there. One of the things I want to talk about is early voting. I mean, look, my wife and I will be voting tomorrow. We believe in voting on Election Day. You know, Phyllis Schlafly of Eagle Forum, who passed away a few years ago, used to say that she didn't really care for early voting. She said it diminishes the importance of Election Day. Uh, That's my sentiments as well. Now, I understand our folks getting out there and voting early. And this year during the pandemic, that's understandable, especially when we had a primary that was postponed or canceled this year. So folks said, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to get to the polls. So normally early voting tends for the Democrats. This is a a construct of the Democratic Party, early voting, (laughs) expanding it to 30 days. We've been over these battles here in Ohio over the uh, last 16 years on early voting. But this year, something different happened, Bob. We got reports of folks in rural counties, I mean, literally heading out to the polls as soon as they were open for early voting, and these are conservative votes. So the Democrats really can't take solace in the early vote, uh, you know, because normally they they have, of course, in their urban counties like Summit, Cuyahoga County, possibly. But I think also what's happening here is that just a lot of Ohioans, which includes Trump supporters, have got to the polls early and cast their votes. So, you know, obviously Ohio um, is is an important state. Um, I'm not so sure it's really the battleground state this year. All eyes are on Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Arizona. Those seem to be the four battleground states. But I think that things are trending very well for the president over in Pennsylvania, and we're getting other reports that after that debate, uh, there were folks who were Union Democrats who, when they heard that about fracking, shifted their uh, support from Biden to Trump.
1: Well, I'm sure you saw, Pastor Long, um, in the, the couple of days after Joe Biden said, I want to transition away from oil and essentially get away from all fossil fuels, uh, one of the top trending questions on Twitter, and I don't do Twitter anymore, but one of the top trending questions on Twitter was, "How can I change my vote, or can that's I right. change my vote?" And and that's one of the reasons why I agree with you about early voting. Now, full disclosure, my wife and I voted already as well. Uh, we voted early this time around for because this is a very unique season. Uh, you know, given- it is. The lines are going to be six feet apart. They're already going to be extraordinarily long. They could stretch for a very long way. And We had snow last night, for crying out loud. and It could be terrible weather tomorrow. It could be very difficult for people to get through in their lunch hour uh, or, or before work or after work or whatever the case might be. So we went ahead and did it. But my point is... There are many things that may come out about a candidate or about the election uh, in the 30 days between the time early voting starts and Election Day. And I don't like people casting their votes before they hear everything and before they learn everything. And people did. People heard Joe Biden at the last debate say, I want to get away from the oil and the fossil fuel industry. And people are saying, I just voted for that guy. And that's where how can I change my vote? Can I go back? Can I undo what I have already done? And, of course, you can't. But that's, but that's why it is so important for people to really know what they're doing before they go and head to the polls.
2: Well, that's right. It's called buyer beware. And really what's interesting here is the left is always concerned about campaign finance reform or the little guy being able to run a campaign against the big corporate money. We've always heard that, right? Well, here, look, why would you then want to sh- uh, shorten a candidate's uh, camp- uh, candidacy by a full month with early voting. And so there's a lot of uh, campaigns that are running out there on a shoestring, and they're good people. And uh, they don't have the big money, maybe, of their opponent, but they need those 30 days to get out there, meet with voters, and convince... Uh, their fellow citizens, that they're the best one to represent in those offices. You know, I thought that's what the left and the Democrats cared about, but early voting really dispenses with all that. You shorten a candidate's campaign by 30 days, and it really doesn't bode well for them. Well, listen, we want to give folks an opportunity to get educated, those who haven't voted yet. And the Ohio Christian Alliance website, we have an educational voter guide, and we cover the presidential, congressional, Ohio House, and Ohio Senate. And something new this year, we've partnered with I, voter Guide. Now they have some down down ballot information on school board races and also also judgeships, and that's going to be helpful to you as well. All those links are on our website at Ohio Christian Alliance. Just Google that or go to ohioca.org.
1: That is great to know that you're partnering with them. And uh, and Pastor Long, before you hang up, since I have you on the line and didn't expect that this morning. Um, I was just talking to Jim Jordan uh, at the end of the last hour, and, and we talked about the importance of going out there and doing what we can do, which is vote, but also asking God to, to, uh, to inspire and, and provide voters with the wisdom to do what is right for this country, to do what is right for those who believe in his creation and, uh, and who believe in life, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think prayer is extraordinarily important. Um, and I know you're very good at giving impromptu prayers. Can you lead our listenership right now in a quick prayer for the wisdom to do the right thing tomorrow?
2: I'd, I'd be happy to, Bob. Thank you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. As this nation, we have been blessed as a people of those who have gone before us and paid the price for liberty. In all these years, we have kept the torch of liberty burning. This year, Father, there has been great conflict in our nation. There has been the divergence of views. Those who support you, those who look to you, and those, Lord, who are renegades, away from God, away from law and order, away from decency. Our Father and our God, we pray in this hour that your people that are fasting and praying for our nation, that it is really a time of decision for our people and for this country, I pray, God, that you would speak to people today, and, Lord, that the, the issues would become clear in their minds, and that, Lord, that they would return to you. We pray as a nation, Lord, that you would grant favor. We thank you for a man and men and women who humble themselves before you. And, Lord, we pray that, God, your will would be done in this election. We have a quietness and a confidence, Lord. Therein lies our strength in our confidence, is in you. We ask your blessing upon all these things, and thank you, Lord, for the privilege of voting, the privilege of being able to cast a ballot in a free land, and Lord, we pray to keep it free. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Long.
2: Thank you, Bob. God, God bless you, my friend.
1: God bless you. We will be right back. Okay, ten twenty eight. short segment here. Uh, We'll get a couple of phone calls in. We're guest-free. No, I take that back. I keep forgetting we have Congressman Renese, former Congressman Renese, scheduled to talk about the election with us coming up in a few minutes. But we will have time before and after uh, his conversation for you, too. TJ, in Cleveland, go ahead.
0: Yeah, you know, Bob, I always wondered how these politicians in Washington go to Washington, you know, of humble means, and end up, before they leave, with tens of millions of dollars in wealth. Now I understand how this game works. You get a high-level job like Hillary Clinton did, Secretary of State. You sell your people and their jobs down the river to foreign interests, and they will in return endow you uh, with a front operation like the Clinton Foundation. Or you get a job like Biden, Vice President, continue to sell your country and its people down the river to foreign interests, and they will endow you with tens of millions of dollars. Now, I don't know, Bob, if this is true or not, but I had read where Barack Obama is worth $60 million now. Now, how do you accumulate $60 million on a presidential salary? I don't understand it. Now, his supporters will say, well, he gives speeches. To accumulate that kind of money, you'd have to give a speech 24 hours a day, seven days a week for years. Uh, This is how the game works. They've been selling us down the river, and if you want a, a quick path to extreme wealth, it seems like to me in this country... Learn to dribble a basketball real well or become a Democratic politician in Washington. Either way is going to open the door for you for extreme wealth. And and, and talking about Clinton, what happened to their foundation once she did not get elected and she didn't have her secretary of state job? We don't hear anything about it. There's no money coming in. Why was the money? Well, coming there's in plenty. Before? There, there,
1: there's plenty. There was plenty of money coming, and if you recall, after they, thanks for the call, T.J. After the uh, Bill Clinton second term ended, Hillary Clinton declared that they were broke. She claimed that they lost all their money while he was president. Yet somehow now they are worth tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, and that's because of their scams, uh, quite frankly, including the Clinton Foundation. As far as Obama, I will say this. He and Michelle bought a stake in Netflix, and Netflix is extraordinarily profitable. So a lot of their fortune may be because of that. They invested a bunch of money into Netflix. They're now considered kind of part owners. And since all the movie theaters shut down because of COVID and they stopped making movies in Hollywood, you know, the blockbuster movies and so forth, Netflix, since everybody was trapped in their homes, became the huge source of entertainment. So I think Netflix stock has probably skyrocketed, and that has probably helped uh, the Obama. But your point is a good one. Joe Biden, again, has only made, you know, his personal uh, um, senators or vice presidential salary for all these years. And uh, yet they are multi, 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 tens of multi or hundreds of millionaires, if you will. All right. News time now. Congressman Renacci will join us next to uh, handicap the election. Tell us what uh, his thoughts are about tomorrow coming up on AM 1420. The answer. So We've made a big deal this morning about uh, the endorsement of far-left newspapers, the Toledo Blade and the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, owned by the same family with the same editorial board, but two different cities uh, a few hundred miles apart, both of them extraordinarily influential in their regions. The Toledo Blade is the paper of record for all of Northwest Ohio, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette for Western Pennsylvania, and for the first time since 1972... They have endorsed a Republican for president. That's right. The far-left editorial boards of those newspapers have endorsed President Donald J. Trump for re-election.
3: Here's Trump communications manager Tim Murtaugh on I saw you highlighted uh, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette endorsement from last night and this morning. That is huge, and it's not because it's just a newspaper endorsement, because there are lots of those. It's because of what it, ref- what it reflects. It talks about jobs and the economy and fracking and energy policy and getting tough on China and who is ready to be president. It's a compelling argument for why President Trump needs to be reelected. And in that market of Pil- F- uh, Pittsburgh, Western Pennsylvania, where fracking and energy uh, produces so many mm. jobs, it is so important. And other places like that Pittsburgh, Toledo, Cleveland, Milwaukee, uh, Detroit, uh, all these places across the upper Midwest. States outside. That's of the Pennsylvania message Hill. jobs and the economy. And absolutely. It speaks to exactly what is happening on the ground. This is a reflection of what is happening on the ground. Yeah. It's why we feel so, so confident in pennsylvania
1: i gotta tell you that brings me a lot of excitement and a lot of inspiration as we go into election day tomorrow let's get the reaction now from uh, former congressman of ohio's 16th congressional district jim renacy joining us on am 1420 the answer congressman renacy it's been a while how are you sir
4: how are you this morning
1: I'm great. I gotta tell you, I'm feeling optimistic. You know, I'm looking at so many metrics, Congressman, um, outside of the, the actual traditional candidate polling, which we know and have seen can be so wrong. I'm looking at so many different metrics about voter enthusiasm, about party affiliation. And I'm looking at so many former never Trumpers who said, you know, yeah, I didn't vote for him the first time around. I thought he was disgusting, but now I've seen four years of results. I can't wait to vote for him again. And, and then these newspaper endorsements, Democrat, liberal, newspapers that haven't endorsed a Republican in fifty years coming around and endorsing Trump now. Congressman, I'm feeling pretty good. Well
4: I am too, Bob, but I would tell you that still doesn't stop people. We've got to get out and vote. I do think that's going to be the answer. In any election it's about getting out to vote. I don't want people to think, well the race is over or that you know, he's going to win or he's going to lose. Let's get out, cast our votes and make sure we vote for the policies of the man who have really taken us Um, in a much different place over the last four years, a much better place. And I think that's really the key. How do we make sure people do not sit home tomorrow and say, well, you know, I'm busy. This is going to be tomorrow is going to be when Republicans come rolling in. Because as I heard earlier on your show, and it's so true, Democrats said, well, I'm not going to go to the polling booth. So they have all voted early. And most of them have. Mm -hmm. Republicans are going to vote tomorrow. And I think that's going to be a turning point in this election and it's gonna be a real change and but we can't take anything for granted. The polls I know many people will say are wrong and could be wrong and I agree, but the poll tomorrow will not be wrong if people show up
1: yeah well I agree with that one hundred percent i don 't take anything for granted either. I want to inspire and encourage everybody, no matter what the lines look like, uh, to get out there tomorrow and you know it could be it could be cold. We had a really really cold snap weekend. We had some snow and sleet falling last night uh, you know and it may be very cold and may be very uncomfortable, but do not allow any of those things to discourage you because the future of this great republic is is in your hands literally tomorrow and Congressman. I've heard some people say, you know what? The pendulum swings one way sometimes, and then it always eventually swings back the other way. And if we have to endure a four-year, uh, administ- a Biden-Harris administration, we'll be fine. We'll recover the next time around. I don't buy that this time. I, I, I mean, we have seen their threats about, quote, everything being on the table, about expanding and giving statehood to various pro- uh, um, um, uh, American territories, including Washington, D.C., expanding the Senate, packing the court. They are talking about doing things that will never allow the pendulum to swing back the other way again. Congressman, that's how important this election is tomorrow.
4: Well, it's one of the reasons why I say you don't even, in many cases, you don't have to talk about the person, talk about the policies. And you're right. Joe Biden, Vice President Biden, has put his policies out there. He's going to raise taxes. He's going to end, and and I'll tell you, this was the biggest mistake he could have ever made when he said he's going to end fracking and oil and gas. And he's been trying to pull that statement back, but the statement's out there. And I think that's going to be a big change for Ohio, Pennsylvania, all these states that really rely on fracking in the oil and gas industry. And I think if you just compare policies, whether it's pro-life policies, tax policy, immigration policy, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, all the things, you know, defunding the police versus funding the police, you're going to vote for, you know, President Trump. There's just no doubt about it. But too many people are looking at it in many cases and saying, you know what, I— I mean, the the, the pro-Biden voter, as I talk to them, too, say to me, I don't care. I just can't take the person Trump anymore. And I tell them, look, it's not about the person. It's about the policies and the future. And it's about our children and our grandchildren. And I, you know, I have a brand-new grandchild uh, that just turned four months old, and I wonder what the life's going to be for him in 20 years. That right. makes it so important to get out and vote.
1: I think about it the same way. I have two teenage children and I worry about, you know, years down the road, my grandchildren and uh, and you know let's talk about what you just said about the policies not the person. See, this is the primary difference I think between conservatives and liberals, Republicans and Democrats is for republicans and conservatives it is about policies and results for the liberals and democrats it's about identity they make this the case all the time we have to provide equity based on race based on uh... sex based on sexual orientation and so on and so forth they're always about identity politics so in their mind President Trump is distasteful as a person, as an identity. Forget about results. We don't like the identity that he represents. So therefore, we want him out of there. Whereas Republicans are like, he's not running for priest or pope. He's not running for, you know, a beauty contest or for congeniality awards. He's running to, to do what he did in the first four years. And that is continue to turn out great results for the American people. And that's the fundamental difference between, you know, the two ideologies, I think, in this country.
3: Well,
4: absolutely. And again, we're not voting for perfection in a person because nobody is perfect. We're voting for the policies. And that's really, if we voted for policies and we look back at the policies of the past, the policies of the future, what has been done, we the American people would vote such a different way. I mean, it's one of the things that I've been doing for the last year. This will be the first election that I haven't participated in, in the last 10 years. And what I continue to say is to people, quit looking at the person. Too often we vote because we like the way they look. We like the way they speak. Just look at their policies and look at what they've done in the past or what they haven't done. I mean, Joe Biden's had a chance for 47 months, 47 years to, to, you know, put policies and positions in place. And you can see what they were. But if you go right up and down the line, whether it's, you know, federal positions all the way down to state positions, look at their policies, look at where they voted, and you really see where they're going to go and I think we just got to look at the policies. We could change America um, and change it back to where it needs to be going, where our forefathers wanted us, if we just follow the policies of the person.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, that's very well said. We're talking to former Congressman Jim Arnace. Uh Congressman, you are running and you founded Ohio's Future Foundation. Um, what's the latest with the foundation? What are you working on?
4: Well, at this stage, we've really been looking at uh, the the virus and how it's affecting Ohio. We're going to start a number of things coming out after the November election. We really didn't want to get too engaged um, in in this election last couple months. But we're seeing a lot of things that are still very disturbing in Ohio, uh, whether it's job losses even prior to the coronavirus, whether it's spending. I'm very concerned, and and we're going to be talking about that, our budget. Uh, you know, where our budget's going. So those are the kind of things we'll be talking about and the policies of change. One of the things we've done is we've worked with, uh, we're working with University of Akron and Ball State uh, to develop why Ohio has lost so much ground in the last 40 years. And by the way, it's not the last four years or 10 years. Ohio has been on a track downward in comparison to other states and their economies and their growth over about a 40-year period. And there are some reasons why that's occurring. So we're We're going to look at that and we're going to try and start pushing policies that will make Ohio first again, which I think are important.
1: You mentioned the virus at the very beginning of that answer, Um, you know, and there is talk, you know, Governor DeWine is increasingly pessimistic and more and more negative with each and every press conference. He has talking about how bad things are and how it's getting worse and it's spreading here and no one is safe and it's coming for you. This virus is around every corner. Um, I fear another shutdown coming. Or at least a a modified one. Maybe it'll be a little bit less restrictive than the previous one. Uh, uh, maybe more. I don't know. Maybe schools will be shut down again, sports programs, et cetera. Do you think that's coming based on what you hear from the governor, and what would your advice be if you uh, were able to give it?
4: Well, again, in his speech yesterday, he said, we got to get out and vote, and we, then we got to come together as Ohioans. The governor's always very good at sending a signal out. That signal is, you know, he is going to start closing things down. I think he wanted to wait until after the election, but I get the idea that that's where he wants to go. And I got to tell you, there are so many restaurants. Uh, I was talking to a number of people this past week that are 60-year businesses that are that just are not going to be able to survive. And by the way, if you let the business operate, here's what people don't understand. I was at an event Um, at uh, a party center in Akron, and I can tell you, there used to be a thousand people at this event, and there were only a hundred, well spread apart, you know, tables were spread apart, business owners will do the right thing if they're given the opportunity, but these businesses, if they're not given the opportunity, um, you know, we... (laughs) We can't take the livelihood away from people and look at the suicides and much of the depression that has really gone up. This is all because people aren't able to pay their bills, make ends meet. They're losing their jobs. And I really do fear another constraint and another shutdown will be so that Ohio's already on a path economically. to have some serious problems next year in their budgeting. If he shuts things down, we'll continue to be in that decline. But what's even worse is he takes people with him. So I'm hoping that he, he he judges this best and lets businesses and people have the rights to do the right thing. Um, he does not have the right, no governor has the right to say whether business is essential or not. No governor has the right to say whether business should shut down at 10 o'clock. I mean, these are all the things that I think, I'm hoping that he doesn't do, but I fear he's getting us ready for another one.
1: Congressman Jim Renacci, I fear the same exact thing and without any justification whatsoever. And uh, that's the reason reason I wanted to ask. And I hope people are prepared for this. And I hope they are getting in the ear of their representatives if they can. Not Not that he's listening to anybody in the General Assembly anyway, but do what you can do to make your voice heard, because we have to try to stop that. Congressman Renacci, thanks so much for your thoughts on the election and beyond. I appreciate it, sir. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, you, Bob. You have a great day. That's Jim Renacy, former congressman from Ohio's 16th Congressional District. We'll take our final time out now so we can come back and get a few more phone calls in before the top of the hour on AM 1420 The Answer. Okay, 1053. <clears throat> It's our final segment of the morning. I, I want to leave you with this before you go to the polls tomorrow, and I'm going to assume that the vast majority of the people listening to me right now are going to go to the polls tomorrow. You have not voted early. You're not doing the mail-in voting. You're not doing the absentee voting, et cetera, et cetera. We've all talked about why. Um, and I want to leave you with this as you go there. Facebook has deleted and blocked a campaign advertisement for President Trump that has to be, I think without question, the most uplifting and inspirational ad that I've seen. It's long form. It's an Internet ad. It's not made for a 30-second television commercial, right? So it's an Internet campaign ad. It's a little over three minutes long. I want you to listen to this as we wrap the show today. And I want you to see if you can figure out why Facebook and the other big tech giants would block this ad from their social media platforms that reach tens of millions of people every single day. I want you to listen to this. There's great scenery in it that you can't see because we're doing radio, but just the audio itself of the President of the United States should be enough to give you an idea of what this ad is. And you tell me what community standards or what social media platform standards this would violate in order to make this banned blocked and removed by the uh, social media overlords give us a listen
3: America is a land of heroes a place where greatness is born where destinies are forged and where legends come to life This is the home of Thomas Edison and Teddy Roosevelt, of many great generals, including Washington, Pershing, Patton, and MacArthur. This is the home of Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, Amelia Earhart, Harriet Tubman, the Wright Brothers, Neil Armstrong, and so many more. This is the country where children learn names like Wyatt Earp, Davy Crockett, and Annie Oakley. This is the place where the Pilgrims landed at Plymouth and where Texas Patriots made their last stand at the Alamo. The American nation was carved out of the vast frontier by the toughest, strongest, fiercest, and most determined men and women ever to walk on the face of the earth. Our ancestors braved the unknown, tamed the wilderness, settled the Wild West, lifted millions from poverty, disease, and hunger, vanquished tyranny and fascism, ushered the world to new heights of science and medicine, laid down the railroads, dug out the canals, raised up the skyscrapers. Our ancestors built the most exceptional republic ever to exist in all of human history. And we are making it greater than ever before. This is our glorious and magnificent inheritance. We are Americans. We are pioneers. We are the pathfinders. We settled the new world. We built the modern world. And we changed history forever by embracing the eternal truth that everyone is made equal by the hand of Almighty God. America is the place where anything can happen. America is the place where anyone can rise. And here, on this land, on this soil, on this continent, the most incredible dreams come true. This nation is our canvas, and this country is our masterpiece. We look at tomorrow and see unlimited frontiers, just waiting to be explored our brightest discoveries are not yet known our most thrilling stories are not yet told our grandest journeys are not yet made the American age the American epic the American adventure has only just begun our spirit is still young The sun is still rising, God's grace is still shining, and my fellow Americans, the best is yet to come.
1: As I said at the start of that video, uh, the scenery, the imagery um, that goes along with the ad is just beautiful. It's inspirational. It's remarkable. That campaign ad has been blocked by Facebook, along with groups that have tens of thousands of members like Ohio Women for Trump. Countless numbers of Trump ads and groups have been wiped clean before Election Day. No reason given, no community standards violated, just erased. They're trying to stop you. They're trying to stop Donald Trump. And in order to do that, they have to stop you. My friends, tomorrow, do not let them stop you. Do not let them stop us. Do not let them win. Do not let evil triumph. Get to the polls. Win this nation's freedom back once again. We'll see you tomorrow.